You're listening to the Seek Go Create podcast, a part of the SGC network. For those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new. And here's your host, Tim Winders. Hello, everyone. This is Tim Winders, and welcome once again to the Seek Go Create podcast. We have had so much fun with this season talking about the everyday leader and just covering some principles, concepts, I think some teachings that we just don't hear everywhere, or at least I don't, and I study this topic often. So I'm hopeful that this has been a blessing for you and that you're getting a lot from it. It's stretching you. It's making you think about things in a different way and and also probably helping you to think about others that you interact with. And And I encourage you to share this podcast with them if uh, if you need someone to maybe listen to this, except, you know, we have brought up a few times you know, don't be a jerk when you're a leader. If you've got someone interacting with and they are, you may not want to share this with them and tell them that. That's probably not a not a thing to do there. So but anyway, we're going to have fun with this episode. This episode, episode four in this season is, I title it, Thou Shalt Not Fool Thyself. But this is all about self-awareness, understanding ourselves. And we're going to have some tools and assessments that's going to help us with that. We, we did talk in episode three about how to lead us, but it's not, not really the self-awareness that we're going to dive into on this episode. So we're going to continue looking at the definition that we have brought forth in this season of leadership, which is being a steward over those people, places, and things that God has gifted us with being a steward over those people, places, and or things that God has gifted you with, and to to be effective, to have wisdom, to have an understanding of what that means, we need to know ourselves, to understand ourselves, to be able to be clear on, we talked about earlier, strengths and weaknesses and and how we can be more effective, things that we might need to work on, things that give us energy, things that give us things that we're passionate about, and then maybe things that we're not so passionate about. So self-awareness, that's what, that's what this is all about. And, you know, really it's, it's just kind of having a better understanding of who we are. And I, I want to say this before we get... To get much further than this, it's it's really interesting. This is this kind of crosses a lot of a lot of things in our culture. I think I think self awareness crosses over generations. I think that young people need to understand and be self aware of what they are and strengths and you know things that might be their downfall. I think it's good for young people to understand. The, type of environment that they're growing in right now. They're growing up in an environment that is full of devices. They're connected. They're online. And as we're seeing, it's also causing challenges with relationships and depression and comparison and things that may not be healthy. My generation, I'm currently in my mid-50s and getting younger and better looking every day. Thank you very much. But uh, my generation, we remember a time where we weren't as connected. We are probably the last generation, I used to joke, I grew up in the Atlanta metro area in the 70s, and, you know, it's kind of like the end of the age of innocence, you know, things weren't, you know, we would ride our bikes, we would play out in the yard, we would ride to the little shopping center in Conyers, Georgia, and 
everything would be cool and fine. And, you know, you just you just don't see or hear about those type things much anymore. But on the flip side, some people, when they start getting mature, I won't use old, we start getting dogmatic and set in our ways. And, and we need to understand that that's not necessarily good either. You know, is it is it important to have convictions? Yes. Is it important to be dogmatic and unyielding and unbending and think you're right about everything? No, that's not so healthy. So we need to be self-aware of that too, that, that those things kind of impact how we, number one, interact obviously with others, but, but also just our attitude and, and, and how we, and how we communicate and things like that. So those are some things related to self-awareness and, you know, we talked about the importance of being able to make a decision. You need to understand, are you good at making decisions? Is that something you need to work on? Are you good at strategy? Do you have good leadership skills, talents, communication skills already? Are those things you need to work on? And those are the things that you need to really, really look at. Now, there's there's a number of ways that you can, I guess, peel back the layers to understand yourself more, understand yourself in a better way. And, and we've talked about some of those already. You could ask a, a spouse or partner or a friend and some of those you need to get ready for it because they know you well and they may, they may tell it and not hold back. And so you need to possibly have a thick skin because I, even just last night, my wife and I, we have a meeting every Monday night. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. Every Monday night we have a meeting and some of the things I'm going to be talking about in this episode on um, personality profiles and assessments, I recently took these and my wife did also in the last week and a half, two weeks. And we made the decision that we were going to discuss those at on, on our weekly meeting. And so, um, so for those of you that are listening really intently, I am, I am recording this from my RV and a nice truck just drove up right next door. So that's the background noise you have. So anyway, that's the pros and the cons of recording a podcast from the passenger seat office area of your RV. And I think it's still running. So anyway, I hope that wasn't a distraction for you. But, uh, but yeah, so my wife and I, we recently took these and I'm going to share with you some of the results, but we had a discussion about it. And, you know, we actually had a very candid discussion. We've been married 31 plus years and there's a few of these. Maybe when I get to them, I'll, I'll just share with you. We, we had a discussion. I said, you know, this is an issue that, that we need to talk about more because it's something that we've gotten either a little bit lazy about. We knew it but we don't, we don't acknowledge it anymore. And so, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And like I was saying, you know, you talk to your spouse about some of these things, you're going to get some candid answers. And it was, it was a fairly emotional conversation that we had. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I've got a, got a partner in, in glory that we can have those conversations and, and, and then kiss and make up at the end of it and, and move along. So, but you can ask a spouse. That's something you can do. Just ask them, you know, hey, listen, am I a good communicator? Do I let you know my feelings? Do, do I have any, any, anything that I do that's really bothersome to you? You know, do I make eye contact and things like that? Things that are important when we start talking about communications more. And, uh, and uh, you know, I've, I've said this and 
plug this, you know, a coach or mentor or someone like that, especially in business settings, they're a great way to become more self-aware and to identify areas that you may need to work on or habits that you need to stop or habits that you need to develop. So a coach or a mentor is always, always good to have too, or maybe a coworker or someone like that. But another thing, and that's the thing that we're going to get into more in this episode, another thing that's helpful is there are a lot of personality profiles, assessments, tests, different things like that that you can take that that will just give you a glimpse into who you are. Now, I, I do need to give some disclaimers before we before we kind of go into these, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to list out, and I think we're going to include some in the show notes, I'm going to list out a number of profiles that we've done in our research that, uh, that we use when we engage with clients. When we, uh, when we begin to work with any, anyone, we ask them to take these so that we know who we're dealing with. And it's kind of another test for us because if someone won't take one of these or they're, or they're not excited about doing, doing it, then it also lets us know they may not be teachable and coachable and we may, we may not actually want to work with them. So that's, uh, that's another reason that we do it. But, but, um, but we actually use these to just kind of identify more of who we're working with and, uh, and also just to help the person or the people in the organization really understand themselves better, you know, to not fool themselves, to be more self-aware. But, uh, but uh, the disclaimer that I want to give is this. I, I believe that I started teaching these in the early 90s. It was probably when I was with the Bell South Leadership Institute, maybe before. And we began with um, the Myers-Briggs and then we started using the DISC. Both of those I'll mention in just a moment. And I kept noticing something when we were teaching this in the corporate environment during that time. And that was that there are certain personality profiles, my personality is one, that they sometimes will begin beating their chest and being fairly boastful about their personality style or type, thinking that theirs is the best or theirs is great and different things like that. Now, there's some of you listening to that going, well, I've taken these things and truthfully, they didn't really make me feel that great. I didn't really enjoy it. I wasn't beating my chest. Yes, you're correct. There's different personality profiles and and, you know, some of us in the personality profile I'm in, we need to learn from some from you and possibly some of you need to learn more about, you know, just having more confidence in different things. But basically, we can all learn from from all of us. And what I what I guess I wanted to warn against if you are going to take these is this doesn't define you. This is really just an assessment to help you understand more of who you are. And when you understand more of who you are, it can help you lead better. It can help you be a better spouse, help you be a better parent. It can help you be a better influencer and a better steward, which is, again, what we've been talking about here. So, so I just wanted to give that, that warning. Also, if you take it in a team setting, if you take it with a family setting, I am going to be pretty upset if you use this to beat up on someone. This is a way for you to look at yourself 
And if you learn what's, what other people around you, what your spouse or partner or, or your coworkers or your team members, if you learn more about their pros, profiles and their assessments, you need to use that for the betterment of the team, not to beat up on somebody at all. You need to use it to understand that different styles within a team is a good thing. That's diversity. That's, the, that's real diversity that we hear talked about so much. It's bringing in different points of view and bringing in different styles to the team. Because if everybody's the same, you're going to get groupthink. You're going to get confirmation bias. You're, going to get, you're not going to get good, diverse opinions, thoughts, ideas. So it's a good thing to have a lot of different people. I mean, if there's a team made up of just my personality profile, they're going to be running their mouths, probably talking a lot and not getting anything done. So that's not a good team makeup. So having said all that, what I want to do first is I'm just going to kind of go through a list of, I guess, quite a few of these personality profiles that exist. And as I go through this list, I'm not going to talk much about them. I think we may include the list of these and maybe a link to where you can get more information online from each one of these. I'm not an affiliate of any of these. I don't get anything if you go and do the paid test. Most of them that we have searched for that we use within our organization to coach and mentor and work with other people in organizations are free. And I will say this, I don't really have a a strong preference. I have used some of these more than others, and I'll mention that. There's some new ones that have been becoming more popular recently. I'll mention that. I think that any of them, if you're willing to take an assessment and learn more about yourself, it's a good thing I support that. So having said that, I'm going to move a few things around on my computer screen here, and I'm going to get into a pretty long healthy list here and just mention one thing about uh, each one of these assessments and and again if you don't have to take notes on this we'll probably list out this exact document down in the show notes there's a number of these that they have odd names and things like that so let me just kind of get started here and uh, and what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through this list try to do it as quickly as possible and then I'm going to circle back And I'm going to cover three of them that I have taken in the last week and a half, like I mentioned earlier. And uh, and I've actually had other people that I interact with to take these. So let's start off with a long list of the the general category is personality assessments. Sometimes they're skills, sometimes they're style. Some of them have different names, but they're basically learning more about yourself. I'll call them self-awareness. First one is called 16 Personalities. It's just an acronym format introduced by Myers-Briggs for its simplicity and convenience. So it's really a hybrid of Myers-Briggs. I have seen it once, have not used it that much, but there's actually an opportunity where you could take that and get a free assessment for the one called 16 Personalities. The next one is the Big Five Personality Test. Woo, that sounds sounds really cool. It's based on the five-factor model of personality. It's a widely accepted theory of personality today. It scores people based on five broad dimensions of personality. Openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And uh, again, I've only done just a little bit of research on that. I don't think I've actually taken that one, so I don't know that I could wholeheartedly endorse it, but I will say that some of those big five 
are kind of intriguing to me, like neuroticism and extroversion. There's actually a free assessment you could take with that one. The next one is the one that I have used for a long time. It's the DISC personality type and profile. It's just a model that talks about temperament types of human behavior that have really been around since the time of, of, of hypocrites. Hypocrites? 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 <laughs> anyway, I probably pronounced that wrong. And, uh, and it also talks about things like the choleric type, which is the D-type, sanguine, the I-type, phlegmatic, S-type, and melancholy, which is the C-type, D-I-S-C. We're going to talk more about that one because that is one that I've taken recently in, like I mentioned earlier, when I was with the Leadership Institute at Bell South, and really for a number of years after that, and even with coaching clients I had during the 2000s, I would use this one a good bit. And it's probably the test that I have personally taken more than any other one, probably dating back to the early 90s. Every few years I would take one. And one other thing I can mention about that is that you will notice over time, depending on the situations you're in, life events, work environment, business environment, sometimes you'll see fluctuations in these. Sometimes your frame of mind might be different when you take them. Sometimes you might be going through things. You might be in challenging situations. So keep that in mind also. If you haven't taken one for a few years, it might be good to take one of these. So that's the DISC personality type and profile. And then there's this next one, the Enneagram which has been around for a little while. It's, um, it's actually got nine points to it. And it's, it, to me, it seems to be something that I'm hearing more and more about. And it seems to be popular with younger generations, say millennials and younger, like my children that right now are 29 and almost 26. They always are talking about the Enneagram. They say, Dad, have you taken the Enneagram? And I say, I don't even know what you're talking about. So I've done some research on this. I've recently taken this, and I'll share more a little about that uh, shortly. But the Enneagram is another one that's out there, and they've got a free test online also. The next one, ooh, I see my neighbor's just started up his truck again, so you probably hear that in the background. The next one that I want to mention is the Five Love Languages. This is a great book that uh, was written back in the 90s. My wife and I read this book and we are always reading books on marriage and trying to improve and it's primarily focused on marriage and that type of relationship. But I think it has value in, in the workplace also in the business environment. So I recently took it and I'll talk more about that in just a moment also. A few others to go through, the four temperaments. It's just understanding your temperament and giving you some insight into that. And it kind of helps you recognize what's good for you while you're avoiding some emotional, emotionally debilitating situations, work-related missteps, things like that. They've got an assessment that you can take online. This one's one. I, it's on my list here. And truthfully, I, I can't endorse it. I don't know much about it. It's how to fascinate. And there's a free assessment on there. I actually do think I went in and took this. It has the potential watchouts for your communication, how your personality adds value to teams, how you're most likely to make a brilliant first impression. So anyway, how to fascinate, that's kind of intriguing. They've got a free assessment you can take. This next one is the Insights Inventory Personality Profile Test. And I do know this one is used quite a bit in corporate environment. My wife works for a company in Silicon Valley, and they actually have used this for some of the teams that she's on. And I do not know that I've ever taken it, but I have interacted with people that have, and I've helped some people dissect 
their uh, their test that they've taken with insights. That's a good one. You can learn more about that also. Then there's the Kiersey Temperament Sorter. That that sounds so interesting. It's 70 questions to help build, to help an individual discover their personality type. The next one is famous, famous, famous. Might be one of the oldest ones out there that I'm aware of. It's the Myers-Briggs personality. And uh, I am an ENTJ. And uh, I don't even have what all it is. is intuition, feeling, thinking, and judging. And it also is introversion. It has introversion, extroversion, sensing, that intuition I just mentioned, feeling, thinking, judging, perceiving, and kind of tells you where you are in the spectrums of, of those. And I know a lot of people that use Myers-Briggs, and they use it very effectively. Been around for a long time. The next one is the personality hacker. Hacker is a of course, a word and name that we're using quite a bit in society today. And it helps people leverage their own mental processes to optimize whatever can be optimized, productivity, communication, job satisfaction, and most importantly, happiness. So anyway, the, uh, the next one is Strengths Finder. And this is a, this is a great book years ago. This kind of goes back to what I was talking about. And I think it was earlier in this episode when one of the things we're taught to do is to identify our strengths, identify our weaknesses, and we play to our strengths and ignore our weaknesses. And then some people say, no, you you work on your weaknesses and don't let your strengths get the best of you. And anyway, Strengths Finder is a great way to do that. The book is really good. I know I read it a while back. And uh, and I know the assessment is a good is a good thing for you also. And then the last one is the Thomas Kilman instrument. It assesses, it's a determination on how you tend to respond to conflict and, uh, and also how you can handle that best. So those are just a number of them. I don't even know how, how many there were there, but uh, we'll include those in the show notes so that you can reference those if you, if you really want to. But what I want to do in the, uh, in the next few moments is I am going to be in the essence of being transparent again. I'm going to share with you a few of the profiles that I have taken just in the just in the last I guess I took this one about five days ago so this is the disc style report that I went online and I took the free version online and I came back as a high D actually I'm a D and an I is what I am. That's actually what I'm coming in. It's really interesting. I want to share this. I'm actually just really looking this in in detail here. And before I even do that, in fact, I want to scroll down and talk about what the different profiles are here. Um, the, the DISC profile has been around, it says, since the 20s. And it talks about dominance, inducement, steadiness, or compliance. It's kind of the way it started. I think the word influence has been replaced it's kind of replaced that I in there. And it really forces you, when you take the test, I can't remember how many questions it is, but it really forces you to decide which one you are. And of course, it's a self-assessment. It's not a 360 degree where other people are assessing you, but, uh, but, it, but it forces you to make a decision and it basically shows what you are in your, in your primary behavior patterns. And it's got, it's got four. The D is dominant or direct. The I is inspiring or interactive. The S is supportive and steady. 
and the sea is cautious and careful. And I'm not going to go into all the details of it, but you could probably hear those and go, hmm, that would be kind of interesting and, uh, and something that would be valuable to kind of know where you fit on that spectrum. And I would agree with that. I mean, again, it's valuable for, for teams, it's valuable for leaders, but I just want to share real quick, I'll tell you what mine is just so that you can kind of understand a little bit about me. And some of you say, oh, well, that explains quite a bit. My natural <laughs> internal style is kind of the way they group it here is I am a D. In fact, I'm very high on the D. And then my next one is I, my next one is S, and then my C is extremely low. And here's what it says about me. It says, your natural internal style represents the internal motivations that drive you the most. This is, part, this is a part of you that is likely to represent how you think or feel about situations more than it represents how you act or behave. And it says, I have a blend of dominant, inspiring, and supportive traits. My dominant traits are probably a little bit stronger than my inspiring or supportive. And here's what it says I am. It says, I'm decisive, results-oriented, friendly, and helpful. And uh, I hope that's a good thing. Obviously, there's probably some things that wouldn't be helpful in. It says you, you have both people-oriented and task-oriented traits, and you likely know how to balance those two approaches well. You probably like to get things done in a way that protects other people's feelings. It's likely that you can easily engage with and support others, but you do so in order to make things happen and get results. Now, that's my strongest and I believe, I believe on this report, it doesn't go over those things that might be my weaknesses, but my adaptive style. Obviously, I'm very low in C and steady, and some of those are more details and conscientious about details and things like that. And I would probably have a tendency to, do, to agree. I'm, I'm one that I like to fly at times at 1,000, 2,000, 20,000, or even higher. And I like to engage and have other people that kind of help me with details. So that's a little bit more detail about the disc. I really, really like this profile. It, it's, it's good. It's simple to take. It's, there's a free one you can take online. You could pay a few dollars and get the more in-depth analysis. And, and it's really helpful when you have a team or organization. And it's also helpful, you know, even in family situations or non work situation. So that's the disc. If you've never taken one, I recommend you take one because I believe that it can be helpful for you. Now, the next one that I want to go into is the one that I mentioned earlier that seems to be extremely popular with the younger crowd. I'm not going to generalize or box people in, but it seems to be, and it has nine types. And there's a questionnaire that you can take, and we're including that in the show notes. But I'm just going to quickly go through, as quickly as I can, these nine types and mention what they are. And I think when I mention the name, some of you are going to say, oh, that might sound like me, or ooh, that sounds like my husband, or that sounds like my, my wife or my spouse, or my boss is that. And that's one of the reasons why we probably have a challenge, or my coworkers, or things like that. That's Really what this is all about is just helping us identify that. So, But the Enneagram basically says that there are nine types. And so let me go through these nine and just read through those, and then I'll share with you as I go through them. No, I'm going to share with you after I go through them. I'm going to share them first, 
And then I'm going to come back in afterwards and tell you the percentage matches that I had for each one. And it doesn't say you're one or the other. It gives you a percentage match for each one. And I'll tell you the percentages add up to more than 100. So don't get, uh, don't get hung up on that. Type 1 in the Enneagram personality profile can be thought of as the perfectionist. And it says one places a lot of emphasis on following the rules and doing things correctly. A rule follower is the perfectionist. That's type 1. Type 2 of the Enneagram can be described as the giver. Twos want to be liked, and they find ways that they can be helpful to others so that they can belong. That is type 2 of the Enneagram. Type 3 is also known as the achiever. Threes want to be successful and admired by other people and are very conscious of their public image. That's the threes. They're the achievers. Fours are known as the individualist. Fours want to be unique and to experience deep emotions. That's the individualist. That's type four of the Enneagram. Type five is described as the investigator. Fives seek understanding and knowledge and are more comfortable with data than other people. They love data. That's the investigator. Type six is also known as the loyalist. Sixes are preoccupied with security. They seek safety and they like to be prepared for problems. That's the loyalist. That is type six. Type seven is the enthusiast. Sevens want to have as much fun and adventure as possible and they get bored real easy. That's the enthusiast. Yay. Type eight is also known as the challenger. Eights see themselves as strong and powerful and seek to stand up for what they believe in. Type nine is the final one. It's also called the peacemaker. Nines like to keep a low profile and let the people around them set the agenda. And that's the peacemaker. You know, our family, everyone in our family are, you know, myself, my wife, uh, my, my son, and my daughter and her husband, we've all taken this and we kind of joke around and we say, you know, I thought I was this, but I was this. And they say, oh, dad's definitely this. And, you know, mom's probably this. And I'm like mom. And anyway, so it's kind of fun to do that. So if you're able to do it, and again, there's a free assessment and books on this that you can take, but I'm going to kind of real quick go through my top ones, my top matches, and just to kind of share with you so that you can kind of maybe know a little bit about me, I guess. I am, my highest match is 68%, and it is the type 8, which is the challenger. Just a reminder, it's an 8, and I see myself as strong and powerful, and I seek to stand up for what I believe in. Well, for those that know me, they would most likely agree with that, because I feel pretty strongly about certain things and I like to stand up for that. So I'm somewhat, of, I guess, a challenger. The next one on my list is a 64% match, and it is type three, and it says that I am the achiever. Threes want to be successful and admired by other people, and they're very conscious of their public image. These are the type people that probably start a podcast. <laughs> Just joking there. So anyway, they're known as the achiever because they think people want to hear what they have to say, right? So, uh, so anyway, that's, it says I'm a type three. And let me just go through two more. My next one down, it drops down a little bit to 54%. It's type five. It's the investigator. Five, seek understanding and knowledge and are more comfortable with data than other people. You know, I'm not a heavy-duty data person, even though I'm an engineer, went to Georgia Tech, 
but I do like to understand things and I'm constantly studying. So maybe that's, maybe that's where that comes from. And then the last one I'm going to mention here is a 51% match. Type 7 describes me as the enthusiast. 7 wants to have as much fun and adventure as possible, and they're easily bored. Well, I do get easily bored. I'm not sure about the adventure. I guess I guess some of you are listening and going, Tim, you live in an RV, and you and your wife travel around living in an RV, visiting places. So I, I guess I could see that. I didn't think about it that much, but I guess I could see that. So that's the Enneagram. That's a great one. We love it. It's really fun to do that on Teams with your family, and I encourage that. And then the last one I want to mention, and then we're going to wrap up the podcast. This is the one that is a must for couples, for those that that might want to build your relationship a little bit more with your spouse, and that's the love language profile, and they've got a an assessment you could do. The book is by um, by Dr. Chapman. It's an it's a book that's been around I think 25 plus years now. So I recommend that. We may put a link down in the show notes for the book also. But uh, but my wife and I we took this recently, and and it's real interesting. It really basically lists out five love languages, and it and it says that what we attempt to give is what we desire. That's a basic premise of the, the principle of the book. Highest score usually indicates your primary love language, how you really understand your partner's expressions of love. It's common to have two high scores, and that's what I have. You'll see this in just a second. The lower score indicates the languages you seldom use to communicate love and which probably don't affect you on an emotional level in your relationship. But of course, you know, here's the humor that God has. He typically matches you up with someone that that what's low on your scale is high on their scale, and I'll share that in just a second. So physical touch is one of them, and it's not just sexual and intimate. It's just physical touch, holding hands and things like that. Words of affirmation is another one. Quality time is another one. Spending time, acts of service, and then receiving gifts. Now, I actually just read those out in the order that they were ranked when I took the test. Physical touch came out as as 11 for me. Words of affirmation are 10. Quality time is 6. Acts of service is 3. And receiving gifts, get this one here, it's a big old zero. Zero is not even in the equation there. Now, here's the problem with that. Let me tell you what receiving gifts is. Don't mistake this love language for materialism. The receiver of gifts thrives on the love, thoughtfulness, and effort behind the gift. If you speak this language, the perfect gifter gestures shows that you are known, you are cared for, and you are prized above whatever was sacrificed to bring the gift to you. A missed birthday, anniversary, or hasty, thoughtless gift would be disastrous. So would the absence of everyday gestures. Now, full disclosure him here, Tim's about to tell you that Glory, my cherished and adored wife of 31 plus years, her top score is receiving gifts. And so you saw that I get it as a zero. And I could tell you that this is something that can and has caused conflict within relationship. Um, So, and I'll even give you an example. This was, I talked to you earlier that, you know, my wife and I had a very emotional conversation during our weekly meeting that we had last night. 
And part of it revolved around this. You know, I've shared with you, I've been very transparent about some difficult, difficult challenges that we went through when we became homeless and things like that. I shared all that in season one. Well, when my wife and I were discussing this last night, she said, you know, and I, we can't even remember when it was. It was like five or six years ago when we were in the midst of all this. She says, I remember that Christmas, she said, and, you know, we didn't have anything, didn't have money. You know, we were probably traveling nomads, homeless. And she said, I, I know that you didn't have the money to give me a gift. She said, but boy, it would have been awesome had you just made something or acknowledged it or something like that. She goes, that, that kind of hurt me. And you know what I realized? And, you know, and she even said it. She goes, I know you were hurting too. I mean, we were being compassionate with each other. She goes, I know you were hurting too. And I know you were probably just trying to ignore it and just hope it would go away. She goes, but that was bothersome. And so that was, it was very, very powerful communication that a husband and wife was able to have after 30-something years of marriage. You know, some people would say, haven't y'all figured it out by now? Tim, wouldn't you know that your wife's primary love language is receiving gifts? Well, for all of you ladies that interact with men, you know the answer to that. No. We forget and we can forget easy. That's why that's why this is a constant thing. It's a process. We're always learning. We're always growing. And we're always taking these assessments. And my wife and I, we have a meeting every week whenever we can, or, you know, as, as often as we can, usually weekly. And we attempt to dive into these things. And I encourage you to do that, too. Be self-aware. And you can be self-aware by doing some of these assessments that we've talked about. It is so helpful. It is so beneficial and, and it'll help you in your leadership and all that you do. You know, just recently, my wife and I had a couple come to us. We don't do a lot of marriage counseling. We don't consider ourselves, but we'll talk to people about marriage and try to help. And we've written some books on it and, and, and worked with people. We had a couple come to us recently, and they asked if we could talk to them and meet, meet them. They're a young couple, and they're going through some challenges in marriage like probably a lot of people do. And and, and my wife and I, we sort of have a rule. We'll talk to anyone, but before we do, we would like to know how teachable you are. So we gave them a list of some of these assessments, and, and we said we'd like for you to take these assessments, email them to us. We're going to look them over, and then when we meet, we will, we will go over these. Hey, guess what? My neighbor just pulled back in in his loud truck next door. So anyway, but, uh, but we, will, we, will, we need you to do these assessments. And like I shared with you earlier, before I even talk to clients and people in business. And, and we also have a private foundation that we work with people in ministry and we coach and help them grow their, grow their ministries and, and to advance the kingdom of God. We actually ask anyone that we engage with to take one of these assessments at least so that we know that they're self-aware, so that they're humble, so that they're somewhat teachable. So just just like that, I encourage you to to take one of these and and just really, really learn more about who you are. Be more self-aware so that you can become like we've been talking about this season, a better everyday leader, a good steward, someone who's growing, someone who's becoming better and better. We're not striving for perfection, maybe excellence. But we do just want to be better. That, 
that means we're being a good steward of the gifts that we have been given. So I hope you've enjoyed this. This has actually been a pretty fun podcast for me to do because it's kind of right up my alley with the type of work that I do with clients and the people that I interact with. And I hope it's been a blessing for you. It's been exciting for me to do this. So we are continuing on with the podcast episodes where we are focusing on leading ourselves and and how to be a good steward. And the next podcast episode, we'll be looking at that also. And I'm excited about that. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking with you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Seat Go Create podcast, a part of the SGC network. For those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new. We are constantly discussing bold new topics and ideas here on the network, so be sure to subscribe to be notified when we post new episodes. We look forward to sharing more with you next time, but until then, enjoy the journey.